So in a few minutes, we're going to be covering uh, Mark chapter 1, verses uh, 16 and following, where Jesus calls his first disciples. Uh, but first, we wanted to start with something just celebrating our 25th podcast. It is. It's crazy. And this is kind of be a fun episode because our first episode was on disciple making, and this is Jesus calling the first disciples. So that's that's kind of some cool symmetry. And it's kind of crazy. This is 25 full episodes. If you've listened to every single one, good on you. That's impressive. I, my assumption was that I was the only one who would have listened, maybe my mom, but I would be the only one because I edited them and, and put them up. Um, but man, this has just been such a crazy experience. Jason and I are going on now about 11 months of working on this and just there's been so much blessing and, and cool things that have come from it. As our kind of opener today, we want to amazed and perplexed our podcast. We want to amaze and perplexed, amazed and perplexed. And so, Jason, what has amazed you about the process of of this whole deal? Yeah, what amazes me is the uh, conversations I've had with so many people about something we've said, you know, two weeks ago, a month ago, whatever, um, and how they've talked about how there's a discipling piece in processing this information. People that that some people I know, and we we talk pretty regularly, but because of the nature of the way we frame this podcast, they're able to think through it differently. And um, and yeah, I, I'm just amazed. It's always fresh for me. Uh, we always come in. We spend intentionally very little time on deep dive into the scripture studying before we present, unlike sermons or lessons we would give. Mm-hmm. And yet it's always fresh. Um, and and that's the part that keeps me coming back is I always learn um, both what you say, but also just what God teaches us in real time. So that's amazing. Amazing to me. What about you? So many, so much of the time, man, I feel like we come in, we, there's just so many new things to talk about, new things to bring up, even of passages that we've been over a thousand different times. Now, I know in saying that we've repeated ourselves. If you've been alongside of us for 25 straight episodes, I'm sure you can like pinpoint here and there. But the really amazing thing for me has just been the steadiness of it. I'm the kind of person that uh, I there's that famous quote of like Steve Jobs or Bill Gates. I can't remember which one it was like, you know, if I had to choose between hiring a lazy person or a hardworking person, I'm always going to choose a lazy person because they're going to do the least amount to get the job done. And I've carried that around like a banner. <laughs> Not fairly, because I think Bill Gates was probably talking about like software engineers and not uh, <laughs> not podcast hosts to dozens and dozens of people. But I that that's very much my personality, and the the process of recording with Jason, the process of editing things. There have even been times where like we record an episode, and then I like didn't, and we we're gonna release it like a few weeks later, and I had completely forgotten what we talked about. And then in the process of editing things, like it was like it like blew my mind, and so just the amazingness of like it's this new thing in my life but yet it's also become this like it's just what it's just part of my part of my week and it's something that i get to look forward to every single every single week yeah so what perplexes me well anybody wants to hear the sound of my voice is is very perplexing (laughs) to me personally but i i think i think jason and i have had these conversations for for five years now we've done you know what you hear on this on the mic is basically what we've done together every single week for five five years and we always had a sense that it was um that it could be beneficial that some people could would enjoy the process that we go along and the fact that it actually is helpful and truthful to anybody it's for somebody like me who's simultaneously struggles with 
delusions of grandeur and then also pitying and you know self-worth issues the fact that god was planning this whole thing i mean this is more amazing but it, it it is it's perplexing the way that god works things and god maneuvers things around and that this has just become something that even i even when we talked about it i didn't get my hopes up to the levels that they currently are now so yeah what perplexes you I am not an ambitious person by nature. I'm really happy with my life. Um, honestly, most of the time, even in times of struggle, I'm generally like, that's okay. It's my life, you know? So with one thing that always perplexes me about things I'm involved in that I sense God's hand uh, is in, like he, he's doing things more than I would have, would have imagined, uh, is I constantly wonder, am I limiting God? Because of my lack of, you know, so he says in Ephesians 3 that he can do more than we ask or imagine. And because I'm so easily satisfied, I don't do a lot of asking or imagining, or I feel like what you kind of referred to, I don't want to have delusion to grandeur. My, my goal isn't for this podcast to be listened to by millions of people and da 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 other than I, I don't want to stand in the way of what God wants. And part of the thing I sense God wants from this uh, is to empower people to to read the word without fear and to bring the fullness of their creativity and their their brain power and their passion and their um, intimacy to to this process, which I didn't feel like I could with the word of God for most of my life. I felt like my personal stuff had no bearing on when I was reading the Bible. Just get the right answers and you know do it right. And so I just ask God a lot, don't let me stand in the way of what you're wanting to do through through anything he involves mm-hmm. me in, but certainly through this, because this is a real passion for me to encourage people to read the Bible without fear, that God is trustworthy, and if they really want God, he'll eventually lead them to the truth, even if they get it wrong a bunch. Uh, and that's the part I'm like, God, I'm, I'm perplexed by what you want me to do with this at times, uh, simply because I just know... I like coming and talking with Connor. <laughs> so mm-hmm. the fact he's recording it, I'm like, great. And then when people say, hey, I heard your voice the other day, I'm like, where? <laughs> and I'm like, oh, yeah, we're doing this podcast. Yeah, we had the experience where we were together somewhere and somebody who you had never met before was like, oh, I- I've heard your voice before, which was kind of a funny thing. Yeah, yeah. And, and it's awesome. I-, I love it. But I don't have aspirations to do that. I don't want my name on the marquee. I don't, you know what I mean? This kind of thing. But I do love the conversation. You know, but between you and I, but also when it comes up with anybody else, I, mm. I mean, when people say, "Hey, I really like what you're doing," I'm like, "So what's this causing you to do? Like, what? What? Yeah, I, I don't want to know. I, it's not that I don't want encouragement. It's that I want to know what has God shown you that I would never think of." No, yeah, that's the whole purpose of this, and I, I love when people bring something up to me. I have had the experience, and if this is if this is you, I'm I'm so sorry. Where like most people. A lot of people, they're like two or three weeks behind. Not that like it means you're behind, but you're just not like keeping up to current date. You're just kind of go along at your own space, own pace, which is completely okay. And I've had, I don't know if this happened to you, but somebody was like, oh, I just finished, you know, uh, I just finished the episode. I don't know. What was an episode? God on the mountaintop. And I just loved where you guys were talking about this. And they want to dive deep into that. And I'm like, we said those things. I have had no idea. I had no idea. And it's almost like I've heard people like parrot things back to me and I'm like, Oh, that's really good. Like I, I would have totally forgotten that. And it blesses me that people, that it's this weird thing that we're doing it in the moment, but it's also this not like, yes, it is eternal because like eternal ramifications for everything we do, but it's also this almost timeless sort of thing that 
I'm going to go back a, t- a year from now, two years from now, my like daughter who's in the womb will go back 10, 20 years from now and hear, you know, the things that we talked about and they'll still be relevant because they're not based in any one particular moment or, you know, piece of time other than what we're living. So mm-hmm. that is beautiful. Yeah. That is. Thank you for coming along side of us. And, uh, well, We'll see how consistent we stay when when my daughter is born. But we're committed. We're gonna. I, I feel. I feel committed to it. They might be a little less edited. Well, uh, the music might be slapped on there a little bit uh, more worse for wear. But uh, our intention is to do this as long as as long as we're having fun. So, uh, if this is the first time, my name is Connor, and I'm Jason, and you're listening to the Amazed and Perplexed podcast. So as I said earlier, we are in Mark chapter 1, beginning in verse 16. As Jesus walked beside the Sea of Galilee, he saw Simon and his brother Andrew casting a net into the lake, for they were fishermen. Come follow me, Jesus said, and I will send you out to fish for people. At once they left their nets and followed him. When he had gone a little farther, he saw James, son of Zebedee, and his brother John in a boat, preparing their nets. Without delay, he called them. And they left their father Zebedee in the boat with the hired men and followed him. So, before I ask the question, I, I want to put this out there. Uh, Luke has this recording. It's a longer version, but we chose this version because we really wanted to hone in. We'll, we'll cover Luke some other time, but but we chose this version because just the dynamic of the invitation to being a disciple is what we want to hone into. So, with that in mind, what amazes you about this, Connor? So right now I find myself at a time and place where I am just really consuming a lot of uh, narrative stories. Uh, so I listen to a lot of audiobooks, and I'll go through phases where I, I only listen to nonfiction and I just consume it completely. But I, like every now and then, like I'll just come upon a day where I just get completely burnt out, and then I'll go through like a month long period of reading or listening to fi- listening to fiction. And right now I'm listening to a lot of fantasy series. I'm listening halfway through the Wheel of Time, which if you've read that, it's just Man, it's a slug. It's 13 books, Lord of the Rings style books. It's just, it's crazy. And there's this thing that when you read fantasy, a world comes alive. So a lot of times when you read fantasy, it will seem like the characters weren't living before you got there. It feels like they were waiting, like that the story, like life wasn't happening before the main character got to where they were going or life wasn't happening before the event occurred and and one thing that i love about jesus and i love about well-written stories when it comes to like you know high fantasy when reality matches up with the fact that life is not so clean as a lot of storytellers make it out to be like i imagine for if you're going to come alongside jesus first disciples and say this man is going to come in and upend your entire life he's going to change everything about it and if you if you gave them the option to pick well when is that going to happen like well you know it's kind of the busy season right now so if he comes back you know next year or maybe just even wait till tonight till once we're done that would be even better what i love so much about this passage and i love so much about jesus is it's this recognition that jesus comes along in the muck and the mire of life jesus doesn't require some sort of pomp and circumstance to have an encounter with you. Jesus is going to be there in the most mundane of settings, in the in the gross setting. Like if you've ever been around a fishing boat, it's not like a glamorous thing. 
and that the king of the universe wants to have encounters with me and you at our boring day jobs or when there are mundane, non-glamorous things happening, the fact that that's, that's the character of the God that we worship, that's pretty incredible. Uh, yeah, that is awesome. So so I took a little bit different tact, but it's also in the interaction in how did he know this was going to work? Yeah. That, that amazes me. Like, th- this is the opposite side of the coin of what perplexes me, but, but it's so amazing that he had the confidence. Now, th- then this is the part we have to see Jesus' humanity, or we miss this. Because if we say, well, of course he knew it would work, because he was he's God. Uh, and I, I just, I can't repeat this enough in my own head. The people were so, the Pharisees were so aware of Jesus' humanity, they couldn't see his deity. And I would say it's not just the Pharisees, Pharisees most people. And we're the opposite. We're so aware of his deity, we forget his humanity. But for him to know, for him to see he's not a fisherman, so he's not in their circles. Yeah. He has no real introduction. Even with the added information of Luke, it's still abrupt. You know, he's still intrusive. And and it's like, it, I don't know. It's it's so amazing that he thought this was a good idea and that it worked. <laughs> I, I just like, if you were talking to Jesus before this, you're like, so you've been with the Holy Spirit and you're convinced of your ministry. And so what are you going to do? And he's mm-hmm. like, I'm going to start choosing people. Like, that's reasonable. How are you going to vet them? And he's like, yeah, I'm just going to walk around. And and I ran into these fishermen. I'm like, you are my guy. Like, where's the process here oh, to know these guy. guys are trustworthy? That's awesome. Like, that guy's got a good beard. Actually, you know, it's a little <laughs> his is a little spotty, so that means he's going to be humble. Okay, what you said there, that just opens up this passage for me in a whole new way. I've been in, I've done ministry for about four or five years. You've done ministry for almost 30 just you know. stop it's okay it's been a bit it's been a bit <laughs> it's been an undisclosed <laughs> it, you know like those old timey like when like redacted beep noises that's what i'm gonna put it's been beep uh <laughs> amount of time that you've been in ministry has this ever happened to you where you had an idea you prayed about an idea uh, whether it was for a small group it was for a community outreach it was for a sermon series a class whatever it may be you were excited about it. You prayed about it. You talked to lots of people about it. You felt conviction from the Holy Spirit. Like, this is what I'm going to do. Like, this is speaking so much life to me. And then you, like, went and tried to execute the plan, feeling super confident. And then nobody, like, eh, and there was no, like, biting, you know, per, per se. There was no, like, buy-in from people. And the fact that, like, we take it for granted. Oh, yeah, it, it, it worked out because it's the Son of God. That is really... That, that's shifting shifting the paradigm for me of what did Jesus feel like in these moments? Because I know for me, when I took a step out there, when I took a step out in trying to start, quote unquote, a new ministry or new ministry opportunity, there's a lot of fear. There's a lot of anxiety over, you know, am I, you know, is this what God is calling me towards? Am I going to say the wrong things? Am I going to do the wrong things? And that Jesus is so abrupt. He's so abrasive almost. He's so, he's not even, he's so nonchalant. He's so, he doesn't even take into account th- their current circumstance in life. And yeah, it's just shifting my perspective of what, what would this have felt like for Jesus? Like I wonder, did, before Jesus came up to them, did he feel, was there any nervousness? Because like when you think about it, the reality and I'll, I'll I'll stop talking here in a second, but Jesus had to know to some extent or another, the, like I, okay, I'm the son of God and I'm bringing about this new kingdom. I'm, you know, this message is going to go to the ends of the earth. This is going to be the biggest thing. 
the people that I choose to be my disciples that come and follow me, that become apostles, they will become like top 20 famous people in the history of humanity. So how do you look at somebody, look at some fishermen and go, okay, that, that guy, that guy right there, his name is going to be known for the next thousand, two thousand years. Like that's just, that's crazy. It is. I mean, it is. It, I'll, I'll, this is an honest truth about me. I have a lot of create, creative ideas uh, when I about preaching. You know what I mean? Uh, honestly, the truth be told, since our church building burnt down, I've been surviving. But before that, I had a lot of creative ideas. Mm-hmm. And I would think it through and how I do it. And many times I would be so afraid it wasn't going to work, I would balk. Yeah. You know, I would just say, no, no. It's not. Matter of fact, I have stood up and rewrote sermons in my mind to avoid doing something creative because I just, I couldn't stand the rejection. And what's been amazing to me is, is Tim, my coworker, Tim Rush, a co-preacher, he will actually follow through with creative things. Hey, we're going to take this time of the service to get up and go over and bless somebody and this kind of thing. And I'm like, and I, it wasn't even conscious thought, mm-hmm. but I was so afraid. Now, here's the thing. People did reject him. Mm-hmm. People have complained about it. People are like, what's this? I expect to just sit in my chair in service and not speak to anybody, you know, basically is what they're saying. And I just give him a lot of credit, but man, I recognize, and it's called out more of my courage, but I've been so afraid to try creative things I balk. So if Jesus would have given me this assignment, I mean, my mental preparation, he said, I want you to ask those four guys. I'd be like, okay, what's a good fishing metaphor? What's a story <laughs> I could tell? Could I... Could I bring them donuts? Could I, you know what I mean? I just, the idea of walking up and saying, we don't really know each other well. Now they've had interaction. If you tie together the other gospels, he spent some time with Andrew. So there's some prep he's done. uh, And I don't want to discount that, but this is a huge step. It's, Mm. it's like, there should be 10 more steps. Hey, come and let's have a talk about it. And, and then let's, and if I'm having this conversation, like, Hey, when you guys get a break, can I buy you lunch? Now I'm at lunch and I'm like, tell me more about your yeah. world and this kind of thing. And I mean, like nine steps later, I'm like, what do you think about being Fisher's event? And Jesus jumps a bunch of steps in my world and it works. And that's mind blowing to me. But you adding that component, not just from their perspective, but from his perspective of, okay, the name Peter will hardly ever be uttered where people, even people that don't know a lot about the Bible will think, oh, the guy in the Bible. Yeah. That is staggering. The weight of that choice is so staggering. Oh, it's, it's, it's absolutely insane. And what you said there just a second ago, it kind of gets to what perplexes me about this passage. So like, I, I, like, I believe that it's important to tell people about Jesus and in America, it's a little bit different. You're not in the same cultural setting as you know as the disciples would be telling people about jesus but like i I think it's i think it's the mission of the church is is to make disciples is to is to show people who jesus is with your love with your actions and with your words and so in my life because i'm a very I'm, i'm usually naturally introverted when i feel the conviction of the holy spirit to share the gospel or to tell people about jesus like it is a 40 step program to get there. It is a, like a mental checklist of about 30 to 40 different things of me to finally get the courage to just go, you know, ask like a basic spiritual question of, Hey, what do you think life is about? What do you think happens? Like, what do you think this is all about? What are we all doing? Not even like, Hey, what do you think about Jesus? You know, for me, and I recognize I'm not saying my way is the right way. It's, it's certainly not, 
but it's so perplexing to me that Jesus, he has this conviction because of who he is, because of the Holy Spirit, that this is how he is supposed to act. This is how he is, and not like act like, you know, be kind or be bratty, but be, but this is how he's supposed to take action. And for me, it, it is so perplexing in, in my heart because are there times in my life where God is calling me to be abrasive, to interrupt, to be rude, but because I don't want to be seen as rude, because I don't want to seen, be seen as intrusive, because I don't want to be seen as demanding, I run through my checklist, which has some good questions on it, but maybe ultimately is more for me than the other person. And yeah, it, it's perplexing and it's convicting because there are plenty of things that I can imagine myself do. Like I can imagine myself in in a perfect world, laying my life down for somebody I loved, which is what Jesus does. I can imagine laying my life down for my wife or even for you, Jason. I can imagine turning the other cheek. I can, I can imagine myself doing these, these sorts of things, these self-sacrificial love. But the idea of taking that sort of step and being willing to be seen as rude or abrasive as or as presumptuous, it's hard to see myself doing that. Yeah. I, I, I'm in the same boat. The words that were in my head before you started talking was, it is almost impossible for me to apply this to my life, mm-hmm. which is a very odd thing to say because, well, aren't you, don't you want to be a fisher of men, which we haven't even, do- why that? And I, I think it's, it's pretty easy. It's, this is something they would, some, hey, he starts with where they are to the degree of saying, hey, the way you're fishing now, I'm saying you're fishing men. But again, unless he said this to him before, what are they even thinking about that? That's a weird, like, yeah. like we know we're not using nets or hooks. So what are we talking about here? But it resonated enough. But yeah, you know, love is patient. Love is kind. Okay. So Jesus is love. So he was, he was exemplifying patience and kindness. And yet if you told me somebody else did this, hmm. Hey, did you hear about the, the, the minister that walked into a guy's work and said, look, um, yeah, I, I see you got something going on here, but I want you to go with me and become my disciples, and I'm going to put you to work in a way that I think is better. And I think 95% of the people would say, what a rude jerk. What a, what a typical, arrogant Christian. And you're even understating it, like walking into somebody, a family business, and saying, because like, this is what this would have been, and saying, hey, I want you to forsake your parents' business, which will ultimately mean you lose out on the inheritance, but also mean your family will be harmed by leaving to follow me. And I think about, yeah, I, I think you just get a very oh, typical Christian response. Okay, so all that, all that, I, I think, I think we're totally on the same page. So what does that mean? I'm going to ask what I'm going to tell I'm going to ask you to tell me what to do. Like what does that what does that mean for me, Jason? Right. So th- this is my first and where I keep my sanity because really one of the challenges with studying the Bible is the sense of how do you I don't know who it was Augustine or Francis of Assisi, one of those guys was like how is God all justice and all mercy? Mm-hmm. Like how do you hold both those things simultaneously? So in this case I'm like Jesus is all love here. He is not proud, he's not boasting, he's not rude, he's not patient, and yet it's being applied in a way that seems to me arrogant and rude and unkind, you know, and impatient, like, come do it now. And so it does make me wonder, is this the third try? In other words, has he been to four other fishing boats and they've said no? 
you know, we're we're assuming this was his first shot, you know, mm-hmm. and and I'm not. Is there I, anything in the text to even say that that what you said is out of the realm of possibility? Yeah, there's zero example of him calling somebody that did well. No, let me take this back. As far as who, what we think, so it's interesting. He calls them twelve disciples. We could discuss this in our time. Versus twelve apostles. Mm-hmm. Apostles means those people that are sent. So technically, until he sends them off in Luke nine, they're not apostles. And of course, at the Great Commission, he's officially sending them away from him. Sure. You know, to do these things uh, on a permanent basis in that regard. But he, when he chooses the twelve disciples, which is not this, I mean, he has another event where he goes and prays, ends up praying all night, and choosing twelve, meaning. Mr. 13, 14, 15, you're not in this group that are going to walk with me on a regular basis. Uh, And yet disciple is also used as a generic term. So there are people that go to Jesus later on and say, hey, I want to follow you, but let me, I need to go bury somebody. He's like, look, don't even follow me. Or the rich young ruler where he says, go sell everything, and then you can come follow me. So that would be a disciple. So yes, he does experience rejection. And then I have to ask myself, did did you think that I'm going to say this, hey, let the dead bury the dead, and these people will follow me, and then I was disappointed they didn't, or the rich young ruler, he thought maybe he'll come to me and say, look, help me sell this stuff. and Or even for Jesus, did he, like, is it our arrogance, is this like us overlooking his humanity to think that, like, Jesus wanted to give other men the possibility to, to choose him, to follow him the way that these first disciples do? Like, isn't that even... I mean, it's a tragic picture, but it's it's also a beautiful picture of the humanity. Because, like, we think about Jesus, what he was doing before, and almost certainly he made mistakes in his work. Like, right when he was when he was laboring, uh, when he was you know actually like going about his day job, almost certainly he didn't have a hundred percent perfection in how he did things. And and I and I we know from the fact that people rejected him, like you talked about. Like, isn't there? Like there's this perspective on Jesus because he is perfect because of who he is that even at the start of his ministry to get, to get things started out right that he had completely 100% perfect reaction to his 100% perfection. I don't know. I, I'm just I, – I, I don't think we can know necessarily, but I, I don't think we can – my assumption has always been that there was – he asked nobody else. But I, I don't know if that's a, some, an assumption that I make because of the text or it's because of because I make it because of my preconceived notions of Jesus. Right. And, and, and the, the key here for me is not even, you're, what you're saying is exactly right. I don't know is, is the key. The, the takeaway then to say, okay, when I step back and say, how do I apply this? I have to own the fact that I am not as dependent on God as Jesus was. You know, I have so many competing voices in my head. And so when I enter into a situation, I was meeting with with a younger person before we were recording this, and I am trying to measure my words. How can I be the most encouraging this person to love Jesus? And it's it's a much younger person, and so they make you look old. That's how young they are, right? Yeah, they're they're very young. Um, But (laughs) so I'm really trying to, where are they at in their life? And I'm asking questions, and I'm just thinking to myself, okay, God, what do you want to do with this conversation? Jesus entered this conversation with these four men with the same thought in his mind. The difference is Jesus didn't have, because of his choices, he didn't have as many competing voices, so he could hear God clearly. And we know from John 10, he wants us to listen to his voice, that that as the sheep, we know the voice of the master. But I have allowed so many voices in my mind that 
I've got all this tension in my head. Is this me? Is this me wanting to look cool? Because look, I invited four people and they came. You know what I mean? Kind of thing. And and so there there is an owned thing. Now, here's the key. God is not limited by my limitations. God works with whatever I give to him. If I bring it by faith, so me saying, this is hard, almost impossible for me to apply. Like, how would I live this out and try to figure this out and feel good about it? God's not asking me to figure it out. He's asking me to trust him because that's always a fundamental question, no matter what the what the context is. Yeah, Jesus trusted God. God led him to do this. So you said Jesus had more dependence on God than, than I do. And what happened in my brain when you said that was, well, one, I, there was like a natural kind of like, uh, sort of feeling. I kind of pulled back from the, from the mic because there was some sort of like visceral reaction that was happening in my heart. And in my own in my own head in my own heart i'm realizing that my the connotation i have a negative connotation of the word dependent so when you say jesus is dependent on something like my you know my heresy goggles come up like you know they just flip down like like one of those cool like miami cops in the 1980s that had like the shades that came down like my heresy goggles just come come down because you're like jesus dependent on something dependent is Dependent is bad. Dependent is, you know, whatever. And man, that that statement though is super convicting. I, it it's obvious, right? Of course, Jesus would be more dependent on on God than than you and me. But it's also like he wouldn't have have to. He wouldn't have to be <laughs> like he would. It, yeah. Oh man, that this is one another one of those episodes where I'm just gonna kind of sit and uh, gonna just have to sit with it for a while. Yeah. So that raises a very good point. I thought you were going a totally different direction. Um, I might have so, been halfway through. And yeah, well, no, I love it. I love it. Like I'm, I'm, I'm thinking. To, okay, wait a minute. That's a totally different thing. The devil has had great success in taking words like dependence, submission, meekness, humility, and ca- even love, and casting it as, as twi- he twists it. You know what I mean? So we think that's not us. Now, this is not simply a semantics or a word thing. This is a conceptual thing. I think we come to God and we think God wants me to be strong. Apart from him, like we don't say those words, but that God wants me to learn these words, apply them wisely, and be mature. No, he doesn't. No, he doesn't. He says, he says over and over again, you can't do this on your own. The The one that walked away justified from the Pharisee and the tax collector was the guy that says, I can't do this. And this is the key. Jesus doesn't say, be strong and God will lift you up. He says, humble yourself and he lift you up. He said, blessed are the meek. He says, when you submit to God, God lifts you up. And this is the twistedness that we bring. And, and I'm saying my Americanism, it may not be your Americanism, but the way I think about what it is to be a good citizen is be to be strong on my own. And I'm not against the concept of, of being responsible for your stuff. What I am saying, though, is with God, I mean, John 5, we've covered this before. It's the idea of he says, I don't say anything unless God tells me to. That's complete dependence. Guess what? For Jason Thornton, I say a ton of stuff that God doesn't tell me to because I don't stop to listen. Yeah, I know how to handle this. There are four guys I need to go to. I'll get my plan and this kind of thing. I was with an audience last night that, man, there's a ton of stuff different. And I, I wanted to lock up. I wanted to be afraid because I didn't know. I was at a funeral Saturday. And it's this completely African-American funeral. And our church has, has been involved in helping them raise some money for this funeral. And I knew her because of work I've done at the middle school that I volunteer at. Um, and I'm like, oh, I hope they don't ask me to say something. Um, I, like, why would they? And then all of a sudden they asked me to say something. And I'm like, oh, and I want to just be afraid. And I was like, no, just listen for God. 
Just rest. Just listen for God. And I think that's the key is when we find ourselves in a situation, you know, where we're like, I think God may want me to speak to them about him. We think, what do I have to offer? And that's the wrong question. It's who am I dependent on? That's the right question. But we have to go through the work of saying, wait, dependence is what he wants. Mm. You know, and with each other, we don't have to. I'm not dependent on you. I'm independent of you. But because we're part of the same body, I become interdependent with you that we're dependent on the God in each other. And that's, that's apart from this, but, but this is that, this is where these things can kind of fit together where, because if I'm dependent on God, then we think that's weak. No, it's strong because now God, it's almost like if you imagine you're a funnel, you're no, you're a, you're a tube, if you will, that, that can connect people to God, but there's all this gunk in there. That's you. And you're trying to clear, the more I'm dependent on God, the more clear it is. And so the more I'm clear with God, the more I'm dependent on God, the more of God you get from me. Yeah. No, that's that's really good. One of the things that I, I just want to draw out real quick as we as we close, Jesus, Jesus, as he goes to start his organization, to start his family, he starts it in a poor fishing village on a lake that the citizens think is so big time they call a sea. I think about how we live our life, how we think about things, how we think about who we want to be a part of our organizations our lives our churches and jesus would have had the opportunity to go and find the most educated he could have found the brightest young prodigy who hadn't been corrupted yet by maybe the 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 pharisee thoughts and yet jesus chooses to start at the lowest place at the place you would least suspect to find these men that become some of the most famous men of all of history and i think so much about the things that god esteems that i don't and the things that he cares about that I don't, and the things that I care about that he doesn't. And I, I think the real conviction for me becomes, okay, Jesus is completely dependent on God, and he puts himself in situations where he has to be completely dependent on God. Because guess what? If you're gonna make <laughs> if you're gonna make fishermen, you know, the leader like fishermen that we'll find out later who are really broken men who um aren't completely fully committed who don't understand everything completely if you're going to make them the leaders of your movement man you have to be completely and utterly dependent on god and the holy spirit and for me i think man that that's just such a fantastic message of am i putting myself am i setting myself up to be dependent on, on god or am i setting myself up to be dependent on myself I couldn't say it better. That was yeah. beautiful. Well, it took me a while to get there, but it is what it is. Hey, man, we, man, woman, woman, uh, people, listeners, uh, thank you so much for listening. You know, it is it is funny. The podcast was an idea that Jason and I have talked about for, you know, a couple years at this point. And I think Jason said it at some point. It's crazy that he still finds it crazy that we're, you know, just sitting to do it. It is a little bit weird to like sit and have a conversation with a mic, but man, it's just been such a blessing um, for hand for him and for me and for Hannah and I. You know, it was the the basis for my wife and I losing our jobs, and I can completely and utterly say that if I could go back and not start the podcast or do it a different way, I, I wouldn't. Honestly, I wouldn't because it just brought so much life for me selfishly. I know it's brought life for a lot of a lot of you, and that is beautiful and amazing, and it means so much so much to me and my wife and and i'm sure to jason and so you know as always um and if you want to get in contact with us you know how you can find us at our website amazingplex.com 
Uh, and yeah, grace, peace, and love. <laughs> <laughs>